everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 30th, 2022, and I'm your host, George Kurth, joined by the two best friends that anyone could ask for. Tyler Snyder is back in the house with us. Tyler, how you doing today? Oh, I'm good. It's Wednesday, my dudes, and uh, I'm making a podcast, so uh, we're good. I'm not at work today. That's always nice. The Vine reference makes the whole entire thing, just saying. Cody Rocap is also here with us. Cody, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited that we're less than one month from the NFL draft, my favorite offseason event. Uh, so getting pretty hyped about that. Yes, we are less than a month from the draft. We are not going to be sweet start talking draft talk yet. Next four weeks, be ready for that. But today we're going to hit some NFL news and notes, and we are going to talk about the fantasy football offseason. What you should be doing during the offseason to prepare yourself for the upcoming season. Maybe even introducing a little bit about fantasy football for those of you out there who may be new, wanting to join here next season. Make sure you find us on thecouchgems.com and our social media channels for more than you get from this episode or to ask us questions. Whatever you want to do on there, go check it out. Guys, let's jump right in NFL news. There was definitely one big piece of news that hit this week. And that was out of nowhere. Will Smith, Tyree Kill. You did say what you said. (laughs) You said a big piece of news that hit. I thought it was Will Smith, but apparently not. That that would be the big piece of news that slaps. This news doesn't. There you go. (laughs) Man, we already missed like an opportunity at a meme on social media. Tyler, you just slapped it right in the face right there. Tyreek Hill was traded to the Miami Dolphins and received a four-year contract extension with the Dolphins. In return, the Kansas City Chiefs received the first and second round picks from the Dolphins this year, a fourth and a 2023 fourth and sixth. That was a haul for a wide receiver, especially when you just saw what Devontae Adams went to the Raiders for. So similar contract, even more draft picks coming the other way. The Dolphins are loading up for a run this year with Tua, aren't they? I mean, this they're is gonna a try. Mace- yeah, they're gonna try. <laughs> this is a major trade because, like, if we're talking fantasy here, guys, and in fantasy football, Tyree Kill was a first round or early second round wide receiver, and Patrick Mahomes was a uh, second round quarterback. Like, these are two highly drafted people, and Tua was an end of the draft or free agent pickup kind of quarterback. So we got to talk here, like, what kind of impact does this make? Where's Tyreek at? Where's Travis Kelsey at? Where's Mahomes at? Where's Tua at? Uh, what's the fantasy impact on this one? You know, I think that's a great place to start. For me, uh, Tyreek – or not Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, I think this would be another year we're going to look at him as potentially a first-round pick, but if not the second round. Like, that's probably his, – his floor is probably the second round. That's their guy. But outside of that, you know, there's used to being two weapons. Like, I don't love Juju Smith-Schuster. I know they signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling. There's not a true guy that I think is a reliable week-to-week starter. They're probably going to draft some with one of those first two-round picks. So I think Travis Kelsey is the only pass catcher. Um, Mahomes, I'm not a big fan, as it's been noted, of drafting quarterbacks early. You know, he might not be the top guy now. Like, I still think he's probably number two. You might consider Josh Allen ahead of him. I don't think he takes two – He'll still going to throw it all over the yard. Like that's just the nature of the Andy Reid offense. But I do think uh, Josh Allen makes a strong case for quarterback one after this trade. I know like people always are going to bring up the name Nicole Hardman when it comes to this. He was who was supposed to be the heir for Tyree Kill when Tyree Kill had his uh, off the field issues a couple of years ago. Obviously, Hill came back. 
Hardman ended up being a backup, and he's had a couple of good games now and again, and I think people might start to think, oh, this is his time now. The signing of Marquez Valdez-Scantling tells me that they don't expect Miko Hardman to jump into being a top two wide receiver on that team, at least right away. Like, he is a very interesting case because he was the guy who did get more snaps, get more catches when Tyree Kill was out. But we saw last year, I think it was Byron Pringle had a big game, the game that Tyree Kill missed. So I just wanted to mention him because that seems to be the guy that everyone likes, but pump the brakes. I don't think this moved his stock at all. Yeah, I think that Tyree Kill, despite having some of the most speed in the NFL, was a more versatile receiver. Like you could have him go deep or you could have him with a, a quick dump off pass and watch him do something with his legs. You could have him cutting across the middle. That was one of their favorite plays. Uh, I feel like Miko Hardman is more one dimensional. I think he is straight line speed and he hasn't been able to uh, develop his route running enough to really break onto the scene as a more versatile receiver. He hasn't been able to do more. Um, so I think that's what's holding him back. If they can get him to develop his route running, we could see more of him, especially without a true number one over there, um, except for Travis Kelsey, but a true number one receiver. He has the chance to break out there, but it's going to be really anybody's guess between uh, Juju, MVS, and Mecole, which one actually emerges as their top receiver, which kind of makes the receiver room in Kansas City a fantasy wasteland or a fantasy question mark which is just hard to believe um but guys i, I want to ask you a question and like we didn't prepare at all for this so if okay. you know i need to give you a little bit of time i can do that but you look at the top fantasy quarterbacks of the last year or two you got aaron Rodgers lost Devonte adams you have patrick mahomes lost tyree kill you have russell wilson goes to the broncos uh josh allen still looking good um but you have, oh, Lamar, after having a, a down year last year, you have all these top fantasy quarterbacks of the past couple of years, all with big question marks. Who are your top three fantasy quarterbacks right now? Top three uh, fa fantasy I'll, quarterbacks. I'll, I'll jump ahead, in I'll, I'll, while you think, Cody. That's fine. Uh, number one on my board is still Josh Allen. I think because of the fact that his stuff has changed the least that he still was one of the top quarterbacks last year i think he has to be considered the safest for number one now i sit here and debate if i want to put Mahomes in my top three or not um i am going to stick with the running quarterback at number two and i'm going to go kyler murray because we've seen kyler murray have at least great starts to the season before when he was healthy last year he was still doing solid so I'm going to hope that he has a healthy year. The legs are a cheat code in fantasy football, so we'll put him two. And I'm going to keep Mahomes at three. I know that we have question marks there, but we know he's going to still pass the ball a bazillion times a game. Even when he was down last year, he was a top 10 quarterback. The second half looks so much better. So maybe expect a little bit of a slow start as he gets used to his new weapons. But Kansas City is going to figure it out and be a playoff team next year. And Patrick Mahomes is going to be a big reason for that. Yeah, for me, uh, I think George makes a lot of good points. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Josh Allen is still my number one heading into the season as of right now. Then I would follow that with Justin Herbert at number two. Mm. I think he's going to be the gunslinger. You know, we saw him come on strong last year. He finished top five, and they'll continue this year. I'll drop Patrick Mahomes to three. I do know that running quarterbacks are a cheat code, um, but Kyler Murray would just be outside my top three. 
and then if I'll so four, and then I'll give you Joe Burrow at five if you wanted my full top five. It's tough. Um, it's definitely interesting because I mean, mobile quarterbacks. Uh, you have the question marks at receiver. Um, and then one final question on quarterbacks, and then we'll go ahead and move on because we have plenty of you know draft rankings to discuss later on uh, in the off season. But Devontae Adams is a Raider. Last year, Derek Carr was kind of impressive with what he was doing through the air. Is he a top 10 fantasy quarterback for you? Potential starter? Or still no? No, I think he is. With what we saw with Hunter Renfro, him getting Darren Waller back, adding Devontae Adams, I think he's a top 10 guy, but he's going to go late in drafts. Like, he's going to be going around, you know, I even said, I think last week you weren't here, but I said, as of right now, I'm taking Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers, and I'm a Packers fan for a fantasy quarterback. But Derek Carr is probably going to go after Aaron Rodgers. Like, he was second in the league in passing yards last year. Like, he, he got his best friend, offensive weapon, added to the team. Like, he is going to be, you know, a later-round quarterback that is going to win some people fantasy leagues. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know if I'd put him in the top ten. I don't think quite as bullish on him as you are, Cody. Um, but I think he's going to be that guy for the team that waits the longest to take a quarterback in the league. Like last year, it was Jalen Hurts or Tom Brady. Seemed to be those guys that went 9-10. Um, Derek Carr, I think, is going to be one of those two guys, or he's going to be one of the first backups off the board. So if you're someone who had a similar draft strategy to what I did in most leagues last year, I would I took like I gave the example. I took Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow like two rounds apart from each other. Derek Carr would be one of those two guys in those slots in this year's rankings, in my opinion. Well, for anybody curious, uh, Fantasy Pros has their 2022 quarterback rankings out there. And uh, right now you got Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson in the 8 and 9 spot. Jalen Hurts rounding out the top 10. Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers after Jalen Hurts. Uh, You have Trey Lance, Tom Brady, and Justin Fields in the next three spots. And then in the 16th spot, uh, marked around the same rankings as Kirk Cousins and Tua, is Derek Carr. That's where he's going right now. That... 16. That's a little low. That's what I'm, that's a little that's low. What I'm saying. <laughs> you tell me that you would draft Justin Fields over Derek Carr. No. Like it, I understand there is athletic upside, but we have not seen that from Justin Fields yet. Derek Carr is going to be a streaming option heading into week one based on these rankings. So I think he's a guy like, again, don't draft a quarterback early. You can get solid guys late, and Derek Carr could be a sleeper. He doesn't give you much with his legs. Um, but he has a new coach, Josh McDaniels, offensive guru. Uh, but that's probably enough quarterbacks. Before we get too far past the trade, we should circle back to the Miami Dolphins side of this. And if you think back, if you've been a longtime listener, really early in the offseason, right after the, the season ended, we did a way too early mock draft. And I actually had Jalen Waddle, I believe, at the end of the first round, if not the top of the second round in that draft, which – now they ha- he has competition. So where do you rank Jalen Waddell after putting up over 100 receptions as a rookie? Now with Tyreek Hill, they still have two at quarterback. So how do you rank the wide receivers for the Dolphins? Yeah, I think the problem is they have too many wide receivers. Uh, so it, and this is going to be kind of a cop-out for me, but I, I don't really want to rank them because I think someone's getting traded. And I think it's going to be Devontae Parker, personally. Uh, I think he's going to move... Um, but they just have so many receivers in that uh, 
in that locker room now. I think that Jalen Waddell is still going to be an early round receiver. If I had to rank him right now, I would say he's probably going around like maybe four or five, but just because it's such a deep uh, wide receiver room and because the jury's still out on Tua. Look, I was one of the biggest Tua truthers. Um, I thought the Dolphins gave up on him really quickly and started talking trade really quickly for him. And I was like, you got to give this guy a chance. You drafted him so high. He had so much potential. What's wrong? And then I went to the Dolphins Titans game and watched Tua in person. And there's something different about watching this guy in person compared to watching him on TV. He didn't look good. Uh, It was rough to watch. He needs a lot of work to be able to get up to an elite level quarterback status, or even just a, you know, a good game managing quarterback status. Um, so it depends if he can take that step forward, that is going to be up in the air. But I think if he can even have a decent season, Jalen Waddle is going to be a, you know, early round receiver. I'm saying four or five. Um, I think I was going to say about round four for Jalen Waddle still as well. That definitely falls from where we had him earlier in the off season, but yeah, he has too much talent to go too much later than that. Tyreek Hill I think gets a bit of a, a nerf here. Like he was end of first round, early second round wide receiver. He falls later into the second round now, in my opinion, because the quarterback handcuffs him a little bit compared to Patrick Mahomes. But I still think if there's any scenario that Hill and Waddle don't get the majority of the catches in this offense, it's absolutely crazy. So yeah, I expect a wide receiver to get traded or if those other wide receivers still are in that system, I don't expect them to be too active for fantasy sake it's got to be Hill and Waddle. It's just how much can Tua really carry two fantasy wide receivers? We've seen him do it with one. He needs to take a step. Yeah, and I will defend Tua a little bit. It was raining in that Titans game, so maybe he just can't <laughs> play in the rain. Uh, that's a bad place to be in Miami, but um, it is worth noting that in Tyreek's first full year with the Chiefs, Alex Smith was actually the starting quarterback, and he put up the most yards of his career he had his best fantasy season that year as well, you know, and he's a very similar player besides he throws with his right hand compared to his left hand to Tua, you know, doesn't have the strongest arm, more of a game manager and adding that offensive weapon that can take a five yard dump off to a 70 yard touchdown in Tyreek Hill. Now you have two of those with him and Jalen Waddle. I think Tua is a sneaky late round pick. If you're going to, you know, if you take a risky quarterback, you know, maybe you take Deshaun Watson early and then he ends up getting suspended for six weeks. Tua might not be a bad option to replace him if you if you need like that situation. Um, Tyreek Hill, though, I agree. I think it's the the end of round two. Uh, so I have a couple names I'm going to throw at you guys, and you can tell me who you would rather have. And the first I'm going to ask just mainly George because I know which one Snyder's going to pick. But if you're going into the season, Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown? You know I like A.J. Brown as well, and I know that's exactly who you're going to go with when you mention Tyler, and I'm still trying to bide time to think a little bit. Uh, give me A.J. Brown slightly. All right, Tyreek Hill or C.D. Lamb? Tyreek Hill. I do like C.D. Lamb better without the extra weapons there, but give me Tyreek Hill. And then Tyreek Hill at versus Mike Evans. Mike Tyreek Hill. Ooh. It's very interesting. Like, I'm someone that's been all... burned a little bit by Mike Evans in the past. This is inconsistency. So that's probably a little bit of bias on my end. Look, Tom and Brady's so anyway. back. And anytime you are in the red zone, Calvin, he's really <laughs> upset about my opinion and wants to voice his. But uh, I think it's more look, upset that Tom Brady's back. 
Tom Brady is back, and I am angry too, Calvin. You can definitely let me know about that later. But Tom Brady loves throwing the ball to Mike Evans in the red zone. It like I've seen plays where he is triple covered and other guys are wide open, and Tom Brady's like, nah, Evans down there somewhere, and he will throw it to him. Uh, the guy might not be consistent with yardage every time, but you can almost guarantee he's getting a touchdown every week. And even though we all say that Mike Evans is inconsistent, like a lot of the times when he has his off game, it's still like six, seven, eight points, which look, if your bad game is going to give me eight points, I'm going to take it. Um, so I'm taking Mike Evans because Tyree kill, like I said, you, you could definitely do those little dump off passes and let him go. Um, however, a big part of Tyreek's game and the reason he got so many fantasy points was because of that deep ball. He had that potential, and I just don't think Tua has the arm to get it that deep. Uh, I, I think he's he might have the accurate enough arm to get it to him on the short game, but I, I don't think he has the arm to get him that deep ball, and that is a lot of Tyreek's game, so I'm taking Evans here. Interesting. I'll give you one more. DeAndre Hopkins or Tyreek Hill? That one's tough. I, I think Hopkins. <laughs> we personally. both rose. <laughs> uh, give me Hopkins. I think we're just kind of feeling worse about Hopkins because he missed most of the season last year with that injury. We That's kind of forget Pete Hopkins. That's, uh, so the four names I gave you, two of them are in front of Tyreek Hill, and two of them are after Tyreek Hill on Fantasy Pro's way too early rankings. So they're sitting between 7 and 11 at this moment. Um. But the Dolphins also, what I do think will help Tua is they did add left tackle Teron Armstead, Go one of the there. biggest Greens acquisitions. Um, because if you watched last year, he didn't have a lot of time. And the Dolphins have done everything to put a talented roster around him. It'll be up to their new head coach, Mike McDaniel, to you know rally the team as one cohesive unit. Uh, but if Tua can't succeed this year or at least start to show improvements and really take off next year, uh, the Dolphins will be looking for a new quarterback quicker than or sooner rather than later. Man, I thought that's what we said about Daniel Jones, but he keeps failing and getting another chance anyway. So Daniel Jones has never had these weapons, though. Like he had a decent roster last year. They just couldn't stay on the field. But we're also like, I know that we don't really call the Dolphins a very super competent franchise from the past, but I still think they're a more competent franchise than the Giants. Which isn't saying much. No, it's not, but still. I also apologize again about Calvin getting angry. He's just, he's really upset about Tom Brady today. So um, maybe he's cheering like some people are with the, the newly announced overtime rules are getting a facelift lift for now. It is just the postseason only, but each team will be able to have an opportunity at possessing the ball. Most notably, the the Bills would have got a chance to answer Patrick Mahomes' drive. 2014 and 2015 could have looked very different for the Green Bay Packers, who both yeah. of those teams lost on the coin toss in overtime. What are your guys' thoughts on this initial rule change? Love it. I think it's I progress. Mean, honestly... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, George. Oh, okay. They're so excited. They're just going <laughs> to... Yeah, we're so excited. <laughs> I think it's progress in the right direction. I... I, I think the biggest thing was making sure that both teams possessed in possessed the ball in overtime. I don't think it mattered as much to me personally about having a full quarter as like, I know Cody, you were a big advocate for the playing the full quarter. Um, but I 
have just heard so many people that they finally got what we wanted. We finally got this change. And then they're going like, oh, well, this is just a Band-Aid. Or it doesn't matter because there's the hypothetical of if this happened last year, yeah, sure. Josh Allen had a chance to possess the ball to come back and answer Patrick Mahomes. But all they would have done is score a touchdown, kick an extra point, and lost anyway. But what else do you really want them to do? And if you're the Bills in this situation before, like, you can answer my question quick and then go on, Tyler. Would you have gone for two if you had that situation and scored that touchdown? Would that have been your chance to win that game? I think it adds a whole new strategy into the game uh, with having this overtime rule. I mean, because you can decide to kick the extra point, play it safe, but then the other team has a chance to get a touchdown and a two-pointer and beat you before you get the chance to get the ball back. Or you can go for two and fail, then they can beat you easily on kicking an extra point. I mean, it's it definitely adds a whole new strategy to the game. Uh, I'm curious to see how coaches play it. I'm there's a lot of ballsy head coaches in the league that I can guarantee you will go for two. Uh, I Hopefully, the Ravens are not one of them. My God, stop <laughs> going for two, Ravens, please. Um, but that's, that's a whole other topic. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. But, you know, I actually really like the rule. And I think the big thing you have to keep in mind with these kinds of rules is no matter what the overtime rule is, I promise you, someone's not going to like it. There's always going to be someone that doesn't like it. And notice how we had these overtime rules, but nobody was really clamoring about them until something came up that was a problem. Nobody really cared about the overtime rules, or if they did, they weren't very loud about it. They kept it quiet until Josh Allen didn't get a chance in the playoffs against Patrick Mahomes, and then we have a problem. So these overtime rules are going to be good until we have some kind of a problem, until there is some kind of situation where fans don't like the way it ended uh, because of the current rule, and then they're going to want another change. It's always going to be how it is, uh, but I think for now it's great. And you know what? I, I might be the odd man out here, but I actually like that it's postseason only. I like that regular season is still, you know, you get the score and the other team doesn't get that chance because we're trying to keep these players fresh. And after watching last year and watching some teams, especially mine, have injury after injury after injury in the regular season and just got brutal to watch. Let the games be shorter. Let it be. You got to play really hard and make this stop so that you have a chance to win. Uh, Cause in the regular season, losing one game, you should still have a chance to come back from it later, but keep these players healthy. I'd let them give it their all in the playoffs. And if they get hurt, then so be it, but don't let them get hurt in the regular season. Cause we're trying too hard in a long overtime. I think that's a very solid point, and you made a very interesting point that somebody will dislike it, and I'm already going to be that somebody. I know we talked after the the, the the game, and then like in the moment, I was like, yeah, we got to fix something, but the more this offseason has gone, the more I've thought about it. Like, I, I don't like this at all. Like, I'm more towards, like, let's just go back to sudden death, and George, you're rolling your eyes, but hear me out. <laughs> then, let's change the rules for the postseason. Okay. So I do like – it does add the factor about the two-point conversion, right? I do get that. Like, that makes it interesting. Now, like, you can go down and score first, but you can lose by giving up a touchdown and a two-point conversion. That makes it very exciting. Some things I don't like about it, though, is they're guaranteeing a second possession no matter what. If you go mm -hmm. on a eight-, nine-minute drive – and there's 30 seconds left, the other team is still guaranteed a possession. So what's the point of timing overtime at this point? Like, if we're not going to have the clock? Like, why are we going to play 17 minutes? Because the other team, like, if you can't stop a team in eight minutes, 
so be it. You lost by a field goal. That's like, why are we extending the game just to extend the game? So there's definitely, it, it feels like a instant reaction. It almost, to me, this feels more like trying to challenge pass interference than it does to actually fixing the problem. Like I said, if they wanted to just play a whole quarter and like you play a, you play a five minute quarter, seven minute quarter, 10 minute quarter, we're adding that on winner, winner of that. If you score three times, you score three times. If you score once, you score once. Like, just play the seven minutes, and we'll see where, see where it goes. But just, hey, we're only going to do this for the postseason because, in reality, this just drives up TV ratings, and this helps us make more money. But I will say, as someone that is complaining about it, I am so glad that it is not in the regular season, and I don't have to watch the random Jets-Dolphins game that goes to overtime, and due to NFL rights, I have to watch that whole quarter – progress before it switches to the four o'clock game and we miss the whole fourth quarter of that game or first quarter of a better prime time four o'clock game oh i thought tyler was timing me out but he actually had to take a phone call so george it's just me and you right now um <laughs> i don't know if he can hear us or not maybe he'll just nod his head if he can he can still hear us or maybe he muted us all it doesn't matter um but anything else on overtime or should we move on um i know that you're kind of complaining about the fact that it is just the postseason but there's a lot of other sports um that have different overtime rules for postseason as opposed to just the regular season so i like the fact that it's a little different because the postseason does mean something more it should have a little bit of an adjustment um while it might not be my favorite solution i'm still the person who wants college overtime i think it is a step in the right direction yeah like i said I'm not, I'm not opposed to tweaking the overtime rules, but this one just feels more of like, hey, we had a loss in the postseason on a controversy. Let's overcorrect instead of actually correcting. Um, but we'll move on. And Snyder will just have to get caught back up. We're going to talk the New Orleans Saints. There was some bigger news, some big news, not big news, minor news coming out of New Orleans. Uh, surprising one. They 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 re-signed Jameis Winston. Um then they also signed Andy Dalton to be the backup. And you're probably asking yourself, what are they doing with Taysom Hill? Well, Taysom Hill might not be the highest paid tight end of all time. I don't know how that works in, in contracts or not, but he is now focusing on tight end and probably be back to the special teams block, you know, protector. George, what's going on in New Orleans? I don't think they've known what they're doing with Taysom Hill for the last seven years. I don't even know if he's been on the Saints for seven years, but I'm saying seven years. Um, I don't know if he'll be the highest paid tight end because I do know his contract looked differently if he played quarterback snaps as opposed to if he didn't. So it's going to, you know, wind back to however that looks when he's not playing quarterback snaps, but he's still a very high paid player for somebody who, even when he's basically only played as a pass catcher has not been a focal point of an offense. So they're still, I think, wasting money on that signing. I don't like it. Um, but I think it's good that you're not going to have the Taysom Hill quarterback experiment anymore. This probably sounds like the Saints are going to go back to a one quarterback system, which as much as it might have been succeeding helping them move the ball, I think the two quarterback system was dumb. So we're going back to traditional football here in New Orleans, and Taysom Hill is not somebody who I'm expecting to have a big impact, but maybe him focusing on tight end will make him a slightly better pass catcher and he'll make me eat my words. Uh, that definitely could be um i agree the two quarterback system just it doesn't really work in college it barely works in high school definitely doesn't work in the nfl just a reminder that Taysom hill did sign a four-year 
forty million dollar contract extension. Um, that so, not forty million. That can't be right. I I or no, it was four years, forty million. But then there was like a big boost or something if he did play quarterback. So he's still exactly. It's you're right. He probably is not getting paid top of tight end market because he won't be the quarterback anymore. He's getting about ten million a year, which is still is it's still really good money for a part-time tight end, part-time special teamers, but and an emergency quarterback option. But you'll still see him on the field. He might still steal a carrier two from Alvin Kamara if Alvin Kamara is on the field or someone like that in New Orleans. Um, some other news, though. Again, we are still waiting for Tyler. He has had to step away for just a little bit. I don't think he'll mind that we're moving on through some of this other news. Um, NFL draft, we talked about it at the kick top of the show. It's in Las Vegas this year. 2023 will be in Kansas City. And then the big surprise, at least to me, was Detroit was awarded the 2024 draft over Green Bay and over Washington, D.C. What are your thoughts on the next two draft locations? I think Kansas City is a solid pick, although uh, we might have some interesting news to talk about with Kansas City when it comes further in the show. A little teaser there. But I think that one's good. I think they're trying to award some of these big fan bases who've been very loyal to the NFL. And then there's Detroit. Um, I don't get it. I don't know who would really want to go to Detroit. Like, if they gave it back to New York for a year, that makes sense. Like, people have, like, there's attraction to New York. Washington, D.C., the nation's capital seems like a big deal. Them awarding it to Green Bay would be the, uh, they're trying to, you know, award those fan bases who are loyal to the NFL Maybe it's because Detroit's been so bad. I'm kind of underestimating what the city of Detroit has done for the NFL. And because their team, like the team's been so bad, we kind of forget, but I don't like it. I, is this them just literally trying to revive Detroit's fan base because they've been so bad? I don't understand it at all. I thought that they were basically just on there as they wanted a final three, but they weren't like they weren't even really seriously considering them, and then out of nowhere, here it comes. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I was pulling hard for the Green Bay. I was making my plans for twenty twenty four. I was gonna be there, and hopefully, we can just continue this Midwest swing, and twenty twenty five will be our year. But the Detroit one is definitely interesting. Uh, I don't know if they're like, hey, who will have the top pick in twenty twenty four? Like, was that the consideration when they picked Detroit? No offense, it's Detroit. Bad that fans, we're talking but... two years ahead of time, and Detroit's still gonna be bad. <laughs> Um, hopefully that's not the case because Dan Campbell seems like a fun coach and good for that city. Um, uh, but I think there is also the aspect of it is like the draft comes with a big revenue infrastructure, big boost to, um, the cities and Detroit is a, I don't want to say struggling city, but it is not like the upper echelon of cities across the state, but it's, it's a pretty cool city. I've been there twice. I've really enjoyed it. I'm a fan of the Detroit Pistons. I'm ashamed that I just admitted that to everyone listening to this podcast because of how bad they are. Uh, but Kay Cunningham is the truth. He's the real deal. He'll get us bouncing back very soon. Um, but just, you know, revitalizing that city, you know, giving it a boost of income, you know, helping it go places. You know, they just built the new the complex downtown in Detroit for the Red Wings and the Pistons at the Little Caesars Arena, one of my favorite names in all of all of sports. So I'm very interested to see how the draft takes place down in or in Detroit. What the it looks like. It won't be the spectacular, the you know the spectacle that Las Vegas m- will most likely be. Kansas City, it's up in the air what that will look like. Um, but definitely an interesting one. And along the same lines with the Lions, 
you know, I just keep it on. We're in Detroit. We're talking about it now. They were also selected to be featured in Hard Knocks uh, this upcoming season. And that is one I'm very excited about. I think if you already don't know, Jamal Williams is one of the most entertaining people in the NFL. We'll get to watch. Like, he's worth the HBO Max subscription in himself. Not alone, not along with Bite Your Kneecaps, Dan Campbell. You know, there's just a lot of – I feel like this is, like, one of the few years, like, I'm actually excited for Hard Knocks. No, I agree. I don't like Detroit for the draft, but I do like Detroit for Hard Knocks because of the things you said. I mean, I never actually thought about Jamal Williams, but that's a good point. Dan Campbell is someone I'm very interested in seeing there. Well, as our boy Craig Reynolds, maybe he'll make a couple appearances since he's on that roster now. But they normally, I think, try cool. to, yeah, right. Um, I think they normally try to force those teams that uh have a following for whatever reason. Like it had the Cleveland in there a couple of years ago because even though Cleveland was bad, there's this big following of like I just want Cleveland to be good again. Maybe again, I'm just tuning it out because it's Detroit. I haven't heard that about Detroit, but they're a young team that has some potential. They have the Jared Goff that came in over last year in the trade, Amra St. Brown, these pieces that intrigue you that I could see an inside look on. I think it's going to be entertaining. I like that choice. And as we all know, Jared Goff is better than Matt Stafford. I'm not sure where we were. Uh, I got an important phone call in the middle of that, so I'm sorry, guys. But uh, yeah, obviously, Jared Goff is the best quarterback in the NFL. So we can go from there. I think that's all he had everybody... to say about Detroit in general here. So we covered two segments of the one. <laughs> I'm not, just go back to your phone call. Like, I can't <laughs> believe you're you're ble- you're saying that all year. Like, um, I know you're, no, Jared like, Goff is not the best quarterback in the NFL, obviously. Uh, and better than Matt Stafford is a debate. I just don't think he's that much worse. Was my debate, but we aren't even going to go there. Uh, you know, the Lions on hard knocks, like. I like it. I, I think they have a lot of interesting players on that team, and I think it should be pretty cool. I mean, a lot of teams have been turning down hard knocks and uh, the all-or-nothings and stuff like that, which I find interesting because it gets people talking about your team, but I guess it brings a lot of unwanted attention. But when you're a team like the Lions and you're as bad as they have been, maybe that attention is what you need. A little bit of a spark, some viewership finally into this team to get people motivated and talking Lions. Could be, and I do know there's a lot of traction as we get closer to the draft of potentially Malik Willis going number two to the Lions. So that's a name to watch. They could have a rookie quarterback, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but while we're talking TV, there was a lot of shakeup across the uh, the TV networks. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, no longer on Fox. They're headed to Monday Night Football. Al Michaels, no longer on NBC. He's joining Kirk Herbstreet on Thursday Night Football. And Kevin Burkhart, who was on the Fox team, is now set to replace Joe Buck with Greg o- Greg Olson, the leading candidate, to replace Aikman for the primetime Fox America's Game of the Week tandem. Do you like these moves? Do you think this is good for the sport? What are your overall thoughts? Yeah, it keeps things fresh, in my opinion. Um, I like it. I like that they're changing things up. You don't have to hit listen to the same people on the same games every week. Uh, I know a lot of people are divided when it comes to commentators and there's a lot of haters out there for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So the fact that they're not on uh, Fox anymore is a pretty good thing. Uh, However, 
I don't know. I, I like the shakeup. I'd like to see some new commentators in there. I don't want to have one set crew do every game. And this is just me personally. I would like to see, you know, you know, odd weeks we'll have Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and then even weeks we'll do another crew. But there's so many amazing personalities in the NFL that have retired um, that could talk. I mean, I would love to hear what Sean Payton has to say. I would love to see what Peyton Manning has to say. Uh, bring out a character like Terrell Owens or Chad Ochocinco to be the color commentator for a game. I guarantee you that's going to get some viewers just because of how crazy they are. Like, I'd like to change it up. Keep getting new people and not just for regular games, but for the big primetime games where everybody can hear it. Uh, that's just my opinion, though. Um, I'll hit. I like Al Michaels being the Thursday Night Football. He was actually one of my favorite commentators. Um, I was not a big Chris Collinsworth guy. You're separated from him now. I kind of like that. Kevin Burkhart, he's solid. I think I'll like that Fox uh, has him as their leading commentator now. And I like Greg Olson. I hope he is the guy that replaces Aikman. The biggest thing. I am one of those people that does not like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Tyler, you were targeting me, I feel like, there. And I like their move to Monday Night Football because, one, that moves them to ESPN. That keeps them away from the World Series. So if I am watching the World Series, I hopefully don't have to hear Joe Buck anymore. And, two, I can just flip it over to ESPN, two and listen to the Manning cast and ignore Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for the rest of my life. Too bad the Manning cast doesn't air every week. So some weeks you still have to tune in to, to <laughs> You're right. Joe Buck and Troy, Troy Aikman. Um, I think that Kirk Herbstreit is the most interesting coming from the college football background. No, nah, man, uh, hold on, pause there. Pro- if uh, if the Manning cast isn't on, you might as well have some fun and turn on ESPN Deportes and watch it in Spanish <laughs> and just, uh, you know, I mean, could be fun. I don't know. I feel like they get a lot more hype than uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I feel like you need they get more hype and you can for... like, I don't know. I think you can, there's might be a button on your TV you can hit, but like you can do that and even hit the closed captions and you can even learn some Spanish along the way. That's more beneficial than Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. We're learning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah become, <laughs> become bilingual. Uh, but that's enough on who will be commentating the games. We actually care more about what's going on in the games and where the games are being played. So we have to talk about the Bills got approved for a new stadium. It'll be targeted to open in 2026. So we still have a few years. But this stadium is very interesting. It's going to be over a billion dollars, but it's actually going to hold 10,000 seats less than their current stadium, making it one of the top three smallest stadiums in the NFL, along with the taxpayers of Buffalo, are going to be footing over two-thirds of the cost. So definitely a very interesting, you know, let's go build a new stadium, but let's only have 10,000 less fans. Like, I don't know what, what that was about. What are your guys' thoughts on the new stadium? And then I know, Snyder, you have some insight on what teams might be coming up next for a new stadium. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bills getting a new stadium is exciting. I think it's interesting that the taxpayers are going to be footing a lot of it. Um, I know that's the kind of thing we would expect from Green Bay fans and not necessarily from Buffalo fans. Uh, But this is the true New York team. It's nice that Buffalo is getting a new stadium. Um, I'm excited to see it. I mean, maybe they were just tired of seeing games with empty seats, and they're like, this way, 10,000 less seats. Then we don't have to worry about as many empties. But, you know, with Buffalo being so good, I don't think that was a problem. I mean, that's 10,000 less paying people in the stadium. So it's definitely interesting. But maybe they're putting more of the cost into design of the stadium and um, entertainment value and trying to create a – stadium that's cooler to look at rather than holds more people 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting once we see the plans come out. But like you said, some insight on some of the other teams that are looking at a new stadium. Kansas City is one of them. Uh, They have one of the older stadiums in the NFL. It's historic. It's a traditional type of stadium. It's the kind of stadium a lot of people have on their bucket list to go see one year because it is old. But uh, it looks like they could be getting a new stadium. And uh, my boys, the Tennessee Titans, looking at one as well. They were looking to do some upgrades on the stadium, but after finding out how much more the upgrades were going to cost than originally thought, uh, they thought, screw it, let's just build a new stadium instead. And uh, Tennessee did approve it. Um, Well, the city of Nashville did approve it, but it would have to be an enclosed stadium of some sort for them to get it through. It's going to be a while until we see anything like that go into place because that is going to cost about $2 billion, they said. So they are waiting on that. Uh, They're also looking to move the location and turn it into a half concert hall, half stadium. A lot of interesting things going into the Music City, but I like that there are some new stadiums popping up because, uh, you know, NFL is an ever-growing sport. There's so many fans that want to keep going and seeing these live games and getting fresh new stadiums to look at definitely keeps it exciting. I know I personally, and I'm sure you guys would love to go see SoFi Stadium after seeing that get built. Uh, or the new stadium in Vegas. It'd be really cool to go see some of these new stadiums after they get built. It makes people excited. makes people want to buy the tickets. So I think it's a smart move. I think this is the biggest thing when it comes to any new stadium now in the NFL is doing it right. Because you have the most recent stadiums. Like you said, I'd love to go see SoFi Stadium. I'd love to go out to Vegas to see that new stadium. But then you go back to like the generation before that. Like you, I know Tyler, I forget Cody, if you've been up to MetLife in New Jersey – not impressive a lot of money it's pretty if it's still pretty new not an impressive stadium there's all the um complaints about levi stadium out in san francisco another one from that same that same generation that just underwhelmed so i hear a lot of people that were talking about why would you spend i think it's 1.6 billion dollars as a bills fan to get a new stadium that's not even a dome one i like the fact that there's still these cold weather teams that don't have dome stadiums two They are probably trying to do something that has a big entertainment value, that looks cool, that has all these nice features, and that's probably why it costs so much. So I think it's a good thing to see that they're trying to do it right. Same thing it seems like with Tennessee, from what you're saying. Kansas City, there's still a lot of uh, news that has to come out on that. I know the biggest thing was potentially they might be moving to the state of Kansas. So that's the the one that's really getting people. (laughs) Yeah, I know – I have not been to Arrowhead, but everything I've read about it, it is literally in the middle of nowhere. Like, it's not close. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of things to do out. Like, I think a part of this is, you know, building sports complexes. Like, actually, if we take Nashville, you know, if they go too far away and they're not, you know, a walk across the bridge or walk walk across the bridge from the Bridgestone Arena and the Nashville Predators and that and the downtown Nashville, like that take that's that's a draw away. Like, you know, you look at Cleveland, it's right the football stadium, the baseball walking distance. They have a whole sports district, even like Green Bay, where they don't have another sports team. They've built a sports district around it. So hopefully, you know, even in like Buffalo, there's not a lot up there. If they also looking outside the stadium, they build, you know, tailgating areas, they build, you know, hotels like they, they just make it a nicer place because Buffalo is never going to get a Super Bowl. So they uh, as long as they're outside so they can. Just, oh, I thought you meant the team winning one. But no, they're gonna they're they might get one eventually. You know, maybe it's one point six billion for all the tables for their fans to smash. Like maybe that's everyone that shows up gets a free table. Could be. Um, 
Oh, that's why there's uh, the, 10,000 less seats. They're filling the space with that. Hey, could be. That would actually <laughs> – can you just imagine the, the stadium? 10,000 tables, and they just like – they're like collapsible, but you can jump on them. They fall to the ground. You land on a pillow. <laughs> and it's not as – it's the safe way instead of doing it out in the parking lot when it's set on fire. Um, but I think that's all the news. And then you made a jab about the Packers, which I didn't fully understand. It wasn't, we about the- it wasn't a jab. It wasn't a jab. I'm saying that expecting the, the fans to help pay for the new stadium is something you'd expect from the Packers, and that's just because it's a fan-owned team. It doesn't gotcha. have an owner I, I was that is rich I had putting to all the money. Yeah, that's all it is. And you know what, guys? Like, Just talking about stadiums real quick, um, a big reason why a team like Buffalo might still not have a dome after putting that much money into it is you got to think of grass. I know it's weird, but if you have a retractable roof, you're just asking for problems. There's so many mechanical things that can go wrong, uh, and it's a big expense to have the roof be retractable. And if you have a dome, that means you don't have that open air to grow grass in your stadium. I know we cannot watch a single Raiders game without them talking about how they grow the grass outside and then roll it inside because teams want to move away from turf. Uh, People get hurt all the time on turf. I know I tore my first ACL playing on turf, so it's, it's tough. Uh, trying to decide do you want that dome and have the cooler stadium but have to have turf or roll your grass in from outside Uh, or would you rather have an open stadium like buffalo and still be able to grow your own grass have it be more natural Uh, that is definitely something you have to think about Um, and having the sports complexes i will say one downfall as a person that grew up near philly and grew up as a philly sports fan it's super cool to go to their sports complex and you can look in that direction, see the baseball stadium, that direction, and see the hockey stadium. Then behind you is the football stadium. Super cool. But, man, is traffic annoying when there is multiple games on one day. If there is a mm-hmm. baseball game and a hockey game or uh, vice versa on the same day, oh, my gosh. Getting in and out of Philly is already hard enough. And having to do that on a sports day with multiple sports, forget about it. Terrible. The only bonus is if there is one event, there's more parking. That's the only bonus to it. Well, and you also got to remember, we're we're not in the city that can use mm-hmm. the public transportation that will get you there without having to deal with the the the, the traffic of driving. And now, obviously, there's there's a thousand, hundreds of thousands of fans that just drive. So I'm not saying they're all coming from the subway. Uh, but they also have like Xfinity Live, which is like a big sports bar that you know shows the game. But like they added that into the complex that. You can come to the game. You can be a part of the tailgating atmosphere, but then you can go inside and watch the game and have food and drink with friends. Like, so like adding those kind of experiences as well is a big part of building up your sports city. But I think that's enough news and notes. I, it always amazes me on how fast that we, or how long, or how fast the time goes and we're talking. So let's jump into the more important news segment of, and we're gonna talk about the fantasy offseason. Fantasy offseason doesn't seem like a big thing, right? Fan, uh, football season ends, and then you got to wait until it's about draft time, and then you can start looking at your fantasy season for the next year. But that's actually wrong. Um, if you wait until the next season starts to start talking about your league, it could be too late. Uh, it could be a little rushed. You need to start thinking about changes to your fantasy league now. Uh, and there's a lot of things that goes into it, so we're going to discuss a few of them. Uh, the first one is, how many leagues are you in? Maybe you're only in one league and you want to branch out a little bit. 
and you want to get into more leagues. Now's a good time to start talking to people, trying to get into some other leagues, or maybe you want to try being a commissioner of your own league for a change. And now would be a great time to start talking to people like, hey, you interested in a fantasy football league for next year? It gives you plenty of time to find members for your league, uh, hammer out the rules, decide what platform you want to be on, whether it's NFL.com, ESPN, or somewhere else. Uh, It definitely gives you a lot more time. So do you want to branch out? Or maybe you're like us and you find yourself in 10 plus fantasy leagues. And by the end of fantasy season, you're a little burnt out. Now, Cody and I have both been in the situation where we played in so many fantasy leagues that by the time football season ended, we were like, I think I want to take a break from fantasy for a year. Uh, Don't get to that point. Don't quit fantasy altogether. It's fun. You're going to miss it if you don't do it. If you're in too many leagues, instead of burning yourself out completely to where you need to walk away from fantasy altogether, figure out which leagues are important to you the most and get rid of the rest. You know, your friends aren't going to stop talking to you because you leave a fantasy league. Uh, Find out which leagues you're like, I want to be in this one. I want these three, these four, and I'm sticking with those four. The other six, gone. Maybe cut down the number of fantasy leagues if you're in too many. Yeah, I'm, I think that's I'm right honestly with... advice both of us, or all three of us needed even. Sorry, guy, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that's we've had conversations off the air about this. Um, you have to find, you know, it's your work-life balance, but, you know, it's your fantasy football life balance. I know for me, like, if I get over five leagues, I start to get either irritated, I don't care after week eight, or, like, I'm just I'm done. I'm I'm not interested. So I five is my number. I try to keep it around five. If I'm in less, I'm in and less. If I'm in, I've have been occasionally in six since I've started this rule. But it depends on what that six league is. If it's you know a, a league with a friend starting up, they need an extra person. Hey, yeah, I'll join it and we'll try to we'll reevaluate next year, something like that. Um, but on those same lines, you have to who are the league members? Like I know our main league, we call it the league. I know how creative is us three like and it's a bunch of our friends it's been going on i was i joined in 2014 i think it started in 2013 george is the commissioner he can correct me on my dates like that's a league that we we do an offline draft we have a draft party we have a party after the end of the season we get a trophy you know we have like that's a main like that's a league you know this isn't the nfl league that you join because you don't have anyone to play with and if you don't have anyone to play with uh, reach out. We all know friends and or people are looking to join leagues. You can reach out to us on Facebook. We started a, I forget the name of it, George. You'll have to correct me on that one. But I think it's just the Couch GM's fantasy community on Facebook. You could, you can join that and say, hey, I'm looking for this person. I'm looking for looking to join a league. Hey, I I've never played in a Fab league. I want to start. Like, there's a lot of different types of leagues out there. So make sure you know who you want to play with, and go and don't be afraid like tyler said to leave a league and get ready and learn the rules now in the offseason so you're not trying to do that on the fly after you've already drafted or right before you draft yeah and if you're a fantasy commissioner uh here's something you need to keep in mind i know we all have friends out there that play in the leagues and somebody might get frustrated with you if you boot them from a league but as a commissioner sometimes that's necessary now i'm not saying go kicking everybody from a league because oh that guy beat me this year i don't want him in there get him out of there but like look as a commissioner it's up to you to make sure that your league is still enjoyable for everybody or to make sure that's actually being run properly and smoothly and if in your league you have that guy that 
you know, he auto drafted his team because he was too didn't care like care about picking that day and didn't make a free agent move all season and set an inactive lineup four or five times during the year. Why is that guy still in your league? You don't need a guy in the league that's not going to pay attention. It might be more difficult to have more people that are good, know what they're doing, and uh, are a lot more active in your league, but I promise you it's more fun. Uh, the league that we were talking about, our league of record, we pride ourselves on everybody in this league knowing what they're talking about. Um, every one of us is really good at fantasy, and it makes it really hard to even make the playoffs. But Cody and I can both vouch because we're champions. George, uh, you just sit down there quietly. But it feels so great to finally win. It feels so much better to win a league with people that know what they're talking about. If you get a fantasy championship and it was on an NFL.com free league with people that stopped looking at their team after week two, does that league win really feel that great? No, no, it doesn't feel like you really did anything. You were just active. Uh, and one more point before I move on, going back to how many leagues are you in? I will say if you have like 10 plus leagues, it gets really frustrating and it takes the fun out of the league because it gets down to Monday night and you know, that exciting fantasy feeling where it's like Monday night. I have one player left. I need 20 points. I'm going to watch this guy to try to win. Yeah. But what happens when it gets to Monday night and you're like, all right, I'll win these three leagues if Darren Waller has a good game, but I'll lose those four leagues if Darren Waller has a good game. And suddenly mm -hmm. you don't even know if who you should be rooting for anymore. And it kind of kills the fun of it because you're like, I don't want to lose in any of them. So I'm just not going to root. I'm just not even going to watch. Um, so definitely keep that in mind as well. But George, you are commissioner in our league of record. And a big thing that we talk about every year is rules. What do you got to say about the offseason rules? And as a commissioner, don't make it seem like you have to be the person that determines everything. One of the best things we did in our league of record was put in the league rules vote every single year throughout the season, throughout the offseason. Whenever someone thinks of something that think they think could be beneficial to the league, they would propose it to me or one of the guys over here and we would put it up for a league vote. Whether it's in the offseason, we can kind of do it whenever. Or at the end of the season, normally two, three weeks after the season, I'll put out an entire list of this is what everyone thought of during the season. Do we think that these should change? And if it gets a majority of seven to three or more in voting, it comes into the league rules. So as a commissioner, it should never be completely on you to make sure your league is perfect. If you put a group of guys around you, which is why we talk about the league members and all that other stuff before this, that are reliable, that want the league to be better, that want to be competitive, they help you run the league. It's not just on you. So it, it's good to get everyone else involved. Make sure your rules are not only something that makes sense and it's not like, oh, quarterbacks are scoring 200 points a week while the receivers are scoring 10. Um, do whatever you and the rest of the league thinks is fun as well. That is what is important in fantasy football. Yeah, and on the same topic of of rules, I think one of the things George mentioned is the flexibility. Like, as the commissioner, he welcomes it. Hey, I noticed this this week. Let's add it to the thing. You know, for example, last season we were in the playoffs, and we were coming down to, I think it was the semifinal matchup, and one of my running backs got hurt, which it happens in fantasy football, but someone that was in the consolation bracket, in which we, in our league, we definitely encourage, you know, the consolation bracket to continue playing there's a punishment for finishing in last place like you have a better draft position if you finish like seven through whatever so because we want you to be 
competitive all season long. We don't want you to throw it in after week 14. But that person was picking up running backs and then not playing them and keeping them on his bench. So we decided, hey, let's throw a rule proposal in that the playoff teams, we reorder the waivers after. So the, the lowest remaining seed gets the top waiver, lowest the set, and then constellation bracket goes from after the playoff teams. You know, that was a rule that we thought of. You know, that's not a common rule that you see in the NFL, but that's what, you know, as a as a collective, as our group, we all agreed on, hey, this would make it make it better. And when you have that group of people, when you have the commissioner that is, you know, proactive, thinking about different trades. You know, another example, where we're both all three of us, we're in two dynasty leagues, so they're in more, I'm in two. One, the commissioner is he is amazing. And the other one, I don't even know if he knows what he's doing. No offense, yeah. but I have not heard any updates on our Dynasty League. It might be switching sites. It might be – he just runs it, and we just we just show up and play. It's not that exciting. We've all talked about how we should leave it, and based on what we're telling you, we should. So maybe this is us all realizing that why are we still in this Dynasty League. The other one, on Sunday night, we had a 10-slide PowerPoint presentation from the commissioner going over all the new rule changes and updates to our Dynasty League. Now, granted, that is a very complex dynasty league that you actually calculate salaries, you you sign people, franchise tag people, but still, the commissioner's on top of it versus what a commissioner not on top of it. So make sure, back to league members, you're finding a good commissioner and you're playing with people around your same skill level. Like, it's no fun if you've like been playing fantasy for seven years and you add nine people that have never played fantasy before, you're going to win the league and it won't be as fun. Find people around the same skill level find rules that you like. If you don't want to play in a fab league, don't join one. If you don't want to play in a waiver priority league, don't join one. Yeah. And you know, it it brings us back to our first point of advice and I'll say it again, but like, don't be afraid to leave a league. Don't be afraid of hurting people's feelings for saying, I don't want to play in this league. Even if it's, you know, you only have two leagues and you want to be be in two leagues, but one of them you don't like, don't feel like you have to be in it because you want two leagues, leave it. There is thousands and thousands and thousands of leagues out there to join. And if you don't find one you like, you can always create your own. So if you have a commissioner that is not non-existent, doesn't, isn't proactive with the league at all, leave it. If you have a commissioner that is more of a dictator than a democracy and he makes the rules, decides it, and doesn't matter what your opinion is, leave it. Uh, or if he changes the rules to something that you're not a fan of, like Cody said, if you're if it's a fab league and you don't like fab, leave it. Like it's not a big deal. Start your own league. I'm telling you, it's fun to be a commissioner if you have the time to put into it. And if you can only find five other guys and you have a six man league for one year, it's okay. You can add more people next year. Like if you prefer a ten team league and you only have six, find more next year. Or find four people who are new to fantasy and want to try it out. And if they don't work out, you just replace them for the next year. That's that's the way we like to run our leagues. We like to make sure everybody has a voice. Uh, although Cody's voice every year says, let's get rid of kickers and nobody listens to him. So uh, I'm surprised he's still in closer. the league. But we are getting closer. Getting closer. We're not there yet. I, I mean, I mean yeah, it, how is it's Evan a league McPherson going to win you a league? It's a league vote. It's getting closer. You get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I propose it every year. That is a good point. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to leave it. But don't be afraid to get started as well. Like, if you're out there, you want to be a commissioner, you want to join a different fantasy league, you want to switch it up. We've mentioned the resources we offer. There's a ton of Facebook groups other than our own that are just as good, if not better. So you can check those out. They're always looking for people. Uh, but before we go real quick, 
what are some people things people should be doing right now in this offseason in the law that will give them you know a heads up in their fantasy league and we'll start with the redraft format check out our youtube on what what is a redraft league if you haven't seen that video yet but if you're in a redraft there's not a lot you can be doing um but start looking at the early rankings you know maybe your draft has a lottery style which makes it difficult if your redraft is reverse order of last year figure out your pick it's never too early to start mock drafting um and figure out where teams are going you know look at those rankings listen to this podcast on how you know where we think Tyreek Hill you know Tyreek Hill might have been the pick eight going into the season he might go into the end of the second round now so follow the trends but you know get a head start of looking at the rankings start mock drafting you guys have anything else for the the redraft Oh, yeah. The number one thing you can do is listen to this podcast because we will keep you up to date all off season long. That is the best piece of advice there is out there. But yeah, I mean, redraft probably has the least amount you can do during the off season as compared to dynasty and keeper. But it doesn't mean you just neglect it and wait until next season. Uh, the biggest thing is just pay attention. Uh, don't just tune out football altogether. Uh, you know, we have we follow Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter on Twitter, so we get notifications when there's a move that happens in football so we can keep up with it. Or maybe, you know, just once a week or once every two weeks, you just log on to NFL.com and see what the news was for that week. Or maybe you just keep listening to the Couch GM's podcast and we'll update you. Either way, just keep updated. You don't want to roll into next, uh, roll into the redraft and be like, wait a second. Why does it say Tyreek Hills on the Dolphins? Is this a glitch? Like, you don't want that to happen. Uh, it's going to throw you completely off, and the guys that were paying attention are going to have an edge on you. So just listen to what the moves are going on. And I know, like, I just want to throw one on top of there. You mentioned Twitter, how we follow all these different sports writers and news analysts on Twitter. We have been doing a great, as best as we can, to keep our personal Twitter page with just the most important fantasy news. So, Keep an eye on that. Just follow us. You only have to have one t one page that show that sends you notifications whenever a tweet comes out. If it's us, we're sending you stuff that's going to matter for a redraft league, for a keeper league. And I'll start to transition us into the keeper league because a lot of what you can do right now is similar to what you're going to do in a redraft league. You're paying attention. You're trying to see where the guys on your team you might keep are going to fall in the draft next year because maybe you're in a keeper league like Tyler and I are where you keep players based on their draft value from last season. So maybe you think Tyreek Hill, who you happen to get a steal on going, you know, get, getting a keeper in the first round is a good idea. Maybe now it's not. Maybe now since he's falling to the second, maybe even third round, you're not worth keeping him anymore. So a lot of times keeper leagues do come out and have you submit your keepers earlier in the offseason than you'd be doing a redraft fantasy draft. You have to stay informed throughout the offseason and be ready when something like that comes up. Yeah, the obvious thing to do with a keeper league is just look at who you think your keepers are going to be. Try to figure that out as early as possible so you can plan around it. Uh, but like George said, like, you know, maybe guys' values are dropping, so you don't want to keep them at where they were before. But also look at the values of other guys. Like maybe you had a, a Russell Wilson in around eight, and you're like, you know what? Round eight for Russell Wilson, not bad. But then you find out you can get a guy like Derek Carr, who could be a top 10 quarterback in round like 10, 12, 14. You know what? Maybe you let Russell Wilson slide and use that uh, round 10 pick on a receiver or running back and then snag your quarterback late and you're able to stack your team a little bit more. So it's not just finding out the value of your players. It's, you know what? There's these steals over there for this position. 
I don't need to keep this position anymore. I can get that guy later. So definitely look into it. Figure out your keepers as early as possible and plan around. Absolutely. And that leads us into my favorite format of fantasy football, the dynasty where you're playing fantasy football all season long. Right now you're preparing for the draft. You're looking at your guys. You like Drake Loudon. Which team do you want him to go? You like Chris Olave. What team is he going to go? Who's going to take the chance on Jameis, uh, Jamison Williams coming off the ACL. Who's going to take the chance on Traylon Burks. There's a lot of wide receiver options. Running backs aren't the best just this year, but fit is important. You know, team goes to if Buffalo spends a second round pick on a running back. Hey, we're going to start looking at them as a prime dynasty running back option. So be out there. You don't have to be, you know, deep diving into the combine stats, combine numbers, check out a mock draft, you know, maybe hit YouTube, look at their, their highlights, especially after the draft, you know, think of fits and stuff like that, but getting to know the rookies because the more rookies, you know, going into your dynasty, the better you'll be if you go in only knowing the top two wide receivers and you have pick five, you're not just taking a shot at the dark or trying to figure out who you're going to take just because you need a specific position. Yeah, and the nice thing about Dynasty Leagues is it kind of makes you feel a little bit like an NFL GM. Now, obviously, Dynasties are run differently amongst platforms and amongst commissioners, but for the most part, you get to keep your guy pretty much their whole career unless you want to trade them, but Think like the NFL. You know, if you're a team that just lost almost all your games last year and you don't think you have a strong roster, you know what? Maybe you trade one of those big-name guys, stack up on some early draft picks, and build for the future. Or maybe you're a guy who was, like, this close to winning the Super Bowl last year. Maybe you don't need that rookie. Maybe you don't need to think about the future because winning is the most important thing. Maybe you trade a first or a second-round pick, get that big-name uh, player from a team and try to win the Super Bowl next year. You got to figure out where your team's at and decide where to go from there. The biggest trouble is going to be if you have a mid-level team, if you have a fringe playoff team, do you think you can make the moves, get the players enough to make you a Super Bowl team? Do you think you should trade off some of those guys because you're not close enough, try to be a rebuilding team? Or do you just want to stick with what you got, not make any moves and see where you go because you're that <laughs> that mid uh you really have to figure out where your team's at make the moves and if you don't know send us your roster send us your league we'll look at it we'll tell you where you're at and what kind of moves you should make uh you don't have to be in this alone that's what we're here for i particularly chuckled a little bit when cody raised his hand when you're talking about a middle of the road team that is a hundred percent his dynasty team in our dynasty league of record but no, I think, yeah, when you put on here getting ready for the rookie draft on that rundown, I think it is very important that Tyler said that sometimes getting ready for the rookie draft isn't even scouting rookies. It's trading draft picks for capital to win now. So you definitely have to look at everything from two different sides. It is Dynasty is all is the most interesting fantasy platform because of that reason. And yeah, we're definitely here to help you evaluate your roster and see what you should do heading into the rookie draft and even beyond into free agency. Yep. And then before we go, I just want to give you all one more tip. This is more directed at commissioners, but this is leagues as all leagues as well, whether it's redraft keeper or fantasy, we are less than six months from the NFL season. Start asking your league. When are you available? Get that date scheduled for your draft. Don't give your friend, hey, we're drafting in two weeks. Well, I can't, I'm not going to be there. 
Figure it out in April. Figure it out in July. Set a weekend. If it's a recurring league, set the same weekend. Hey, Labor Day weekend on Sunday, we're doing it. Maybe that doesn't work for everybody. That's why you ask your league. But don't be afraid to start scheduling things now. Check your league calendars. Um, Fantasy football, we'll be back before you know it, but we're here all offseason to give you advice like this, keep you up to date with all the latest news. We're going to be talking draft very soon. But as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, and of course, I say it every time when I am here, but you got to get involved, guys. I mean, we got a website, we got a Twitter page, we got a Facebook page. I mean, you got to get involved with us. Let us know what you like that we said, what we didn't say that you wish we did. Uh, Let us know some things you're struggling with. Uh, Let us know if there's some rules you're not sure if you should allow it or a member that you don't know if you should have in your league. Let us know. We've been there. We've been through it all. And you know what? If you're looking for a fantasy league, Maybe, just maybe, we'll start a Couch GM's Fantasy League this upcoming season. So if you're interested, maybe just give us a little shout out. I don't know. We'll see how things go. We're already in too many leagues. But either way, reach out to us. This league is so much more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Yes, it is, Tyler. And make sure you're staying tuned the entire offseason because other than just podcast episodes, we have more content that's going to be coming at you. Maybe you really like today's discussion about different types of leagues, what you should be doing, different rules. We're going to make sure that you are prepared and know all your options coming into next fantasy season. So a lot of fun stuff coming up this summer. Thank you guys one more time for tuning in to the Couch GM's podcast for Cody Roadcap and Tyler Snyder.